Dr. Anthony. I think uh, there's, they're saving the best for last, and it's not me. It's uh, Ambassador uh, Ed Gabriel. Um, uh, first, let's uh, to uh, capture the uh, uh, conundrum of uh, Lebanon. Uh, we have two short clips uh, I want to show you. Uh, the first one is uh, an interview uh, with uh, Charles Malik. Charles Malik. He was. Uh, I think this interview was uh, early 1950s, and the interview was about the importance of Lebanon to the world. That was back in the, in the 50s. Charles Malik was a Lebanese uh, academic, diplomat, and a politician. He, serves, he served uh, as a Lebanese representative to the United Nations. He also was the president of the Commission on Human Rights and the United Nations General Assembly. He was also a member of the Lebanese parliament, and he also participated in uh, drafting the, uh, uh, of the 1948 Universal Declaration of Human Rights. He was, was a very uh, important player back in the, uh, in, in the United Nations. That's the first short clip, about two minutes. The second clip, it's uh, a trailer for a documentary called Enough, Lebanon's Darkest Hour. This film puts the spotlight on the uh, ruling class in Lebanon and the manifold uh, uh, issues facing the country today. And uh, Daisy Jadan, she's a Lebanese-Australian. Uh, she's the director, the writer, and the executive producer of this documentary. She's also an award-winning uh, filmmaker, journalist, and entrepreneur. So let's see these uh, uh, two clips, please. By the way, the, uh, the explosion that uh, we saw in uh, Beirut port explosion, uh, there was about 220 killed and injured, uh, many injured from uh, many nations, include uh, uh, Egypt, Syria, Ethiopia, Bangladesh, the Netherlands, Morocco, Australia, and the United States. Part of it was some of the wounded and uh, injured there. Uh, this, this, this accident could have been treated as an international uh, accident, or at least a... Uh, a, a spark for a national unity, but unfortunately uh, it did, did not. It was just uh, absorbed with the day-to-day uh, -day politics uh, in Lebanon. So uh, Lebanon uh, and its uh, uh, political confessional system once universally um, hailed as the model of coexistence by other nations and even the Pope uh, did so as well. However, now Lebanon is a model of what not to be. Uh, we heard that also yesterday from uh, with, from General Petraeus when he said, you know, he fears that uh, uh, he fears from the Lebanonization of uh, of Iraq. Okay. So Lebanon becomes a model what uh, not 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 to be. Mm. Uh, so and also Lebanon obviously is becoming a, a semi-failed state. Now many people and many organizations around the world wants Lebanon to flourish again. I mean, we're talking about it today. This is the National Council on U.S.-Arab uh, uh, Relations, and we bring Lebanon to the forefront because we would like uh, uh, Lebanon to flourish. There are also the Lebanese uh, diaspora organizations like uh, American Task Force for Lebanon, headed by Ambassador Ed Gabriel, that are at the forefront uh, to do uh, uh, such things. And also 
also there is a Lebanese American Coordinating Committee, uh, uh, also the Diaspora Committee doing those American Druze Societies. There are many, many organizations around the world. Also, we saw this clip by Australian Lebanese who's doing the, the same thing. And uh, all, all of them on the, on the same uh, forefront to, uh, to do so. Also in the, in the members of Congress, there's a Congressional uh, U.S.-Lebanon Friendship Caucus, the co-chaired by uh, uh, Congressman Daryl Lahoud and uh, Daryl Issa and Darren Lahoud and Debbie Dingle. They all have the same, uh, they understand Lebanon, the importance of Lebanon, uh, uh, not only the Lebanese, also to to, uh, uh, to United States. Uh, so the Lebanese leaders, past and, present, uh, past and present, are not incompetent. And that's not about incompetent. They, they do lead uh, and contribute to a corrupt local system under uh, consecutive foreign occupation and influence since the late, uh, late 1960s. We also heard today the Secretary General, when he, he also talked, uh, he mentioned Lebanon in his speech, and, and he, said, uh, he said, Lebanon um, should enjoy their agenda and not influenced by outside, uh, by outside partners. So the political influence of Lebanon, uh, even in the 60s, was basically at that time when under the Palestinian Liberation Organization, headed by Arafat, it was a country within a country, so it was heavily influenced by the, the PLO. Later on, it was in the 80s, was heavily influenced by the Syrian regime, the father and then the son. And then from the uh, uh, 1990s until the present, uh, the present day uh, under the Iranian regime uh, and its proxies in Lebanon, mainly Hezbollah and uh, its, uh, its leader, uh, Hassan Nasrallah. Today, the Iranian proxies control all elements of power in Lebanon, its diplomatic power, economic power, and the military power. And uh, you, also, the, uh, uh, the, the even the current prime minister of Lebanon, Nabih Berri, has been in, in, in his seat as a prime minister since 1992. So, and that, he's been there for Parliament, sorry, he's a prime minister. Yeah. Um, so is Lebanon important to the United States? I'll say yes, it is. The U.S. Uh, spent blood and treasure serving the U.S. interest in Lebanon uh, uh, on blood, and the U.S. embassy in Beirut was bombed in 1982, some of us remember that, killing over 60 embassy staff, followed by a Marine barracks bombing in 1983, killing 244 Marines, the, uh, soldiers and sailors. This was the largest U.S. Marine casualties ever in one day. That happened in Beirut, Lebanon. And let's not forget the hanging of a fellow Lieutenant Colonel, Lieutenant Colonel uh, William Higgins. He was hung in South Lebanon in 1988. He was a member of the peacekeeping force in southern Lebanon. He was also one of the 17 Westerners that held uh, was held hostage there, including nine U.S. citizens. And on security assistance, um, since 2006, the U.S. spent $2.5 billion of security assistance in Lebanon. That goes, obviously, to the security forces and the, and the military forces. La last year uh, alone was about $242 million uh, spent on security assistance. Those are all in terms of uh, grants. So uh, Gulf countries, they, they pay cash with their, their own money. I mean, Lebanon and other countries, we just give them taxpayers' money. And those, those numbers are from the Department of State. So it's not uh, numbers are um, from their uh, uh, publications. And uh, so that's uh, some of the money, like $120 million, comes from the Department of Defense budget and about 
to also ensure the, the borders are, uh, are secured, to see the military, Lebanese armed forces is trained. Unfortunately, with all the security assistance to secure Lebanon's sovereignty and, uh, and its uh, borders uh, from bad actors, the Assad regime of Syria and the Iranian regime and Hezbollah continue, continue their illicit smuggling operations across Lebanon's land and maritime borders to enhance their interest, their meaning the Iranian regime and the Assad regime interest, to undermine the sovereignty of Lebanon. Now that was on the security assistance. On the humanitarian assistance, there's another uh, pot of money that goes to Lebanon. And that's, uh, I know it uh, goes, uh, most of it filters down to the, uh, the people, but uh, that does help the system uh, to stay on its feet. Uh, so on the humanitarian assistance, the uh, United States is the single largest donor of human, humanitarian assistance in Lebanon. So that's back in U.S. serving U.S. interest as well. Uh, U.S. departments and USAID, they spent over $300 million in the fiscal year 20 and 21. So despite all these uh, uh, mentioned efforts by the United States uh, and the world, uh, Lebanon's still on the verge of total collapse. Uh, we can't expect the United States or the Gulf countries to solve the Lebanese crisis. Uh, Lebanon's uh, conundrum must uh, simultaneously be tackled from within. So I'll end it with a, uh, one statement here from the former, uh, 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 from the current foreign minister of uh, Saudi Arabia when he said the crisis is in Lebanon and not with Lebanon. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you very much. One thing I did not mention is the, the uh, there was recently, we call it historic, um, agreement or uh, between uh, Lebanon and Israel. Uh, about the demarcation of the uh, maritime borders. They say maritime borders because the, de the demarcation was only on the maritime borders. The, the land borders is not uh, demarcated yet. There's still uh, um, you know, issues there. Uh, so uh, uh, I mentioned a bit about the overall atmospherics, Lebanon. I'd like uh, Ambassador to give us uh, uh, just a quick review of what happened in southern Lebanon and how is that uh, might help Lebanon and how is uh, why the United States was so interested in making it, uh, making it happen. Thank you, Abbas, uh, and thank you, Dr. Anthony, for uh, the invitation to be here. Um, John's an old friend. We've been fighting these wars together for a long time. It's good to be with you. And Abbas, I should say, uh, really served his country well, not only from a military point of view, but when he was at the State Department. He made all of us very proud, so it's an honor to be with you uh, today. Thank you. Um, I just returned from a, a trip to, uh, to Lebanon with a congressional uh, staff delegation, which the American Task Force on Lebanon sponsored. Um, and so I have a lot of uh, recent information to pass to you. I look forward to answering your questions, but I hope the audience will have time for the audience maybe to ask a few questions as well. I know cards. Regarding the maritime deal, um, look, it was historic. 
Um, it was uh, diplomacy at its best. Um, uh, Biden leaned into this thing. He talked to the leaders of the Gulf region. He talked to the leaders in Israel. Uh, he talked to Lebanon and uh, the French and others and really uh, had his uh, negotiator in the middle of this. We give a lot of credit to our U.S. ambassador there, Dorothy Shea, who is remarkable, to uh, the special presidential coordinator, Huckstein, to the Lebanese negotiators um, who really uh, came together to make for an historic agreement between two enemies um, that somehow they were able to demark de demarcate the border, uh, which number one brings a, a sense of stability and some security to uh, the southern part of Lebanon. It also is going to hopefully create an opportunity for some prosperity in Lebanon. I remarked last week when I was in Lebanon, I'm glad that they didn't close this deal earlier because any proceeds from uh, oil and gas development in Lebanon would have gone the same way that the money has gone in Lebanon right out the back door to corrupt politicians. Um, so in a way, uh, it's good that it's just uh, being closed now. Um, we told the leaders, uh, including the staff delegation that was with us, we told the leaders of Lebanon last week that they are not going to see the uh, benefits, economic benefits from this deal for five to eight years. It takes that long to look for and decide whether or not there are commercial, commercial quantities of oil and gas to um, be extracted. So um, their conversation that uh, leading up to this, after, you know, we celebrated it. It was a, a great win for, for, for the region. And it was nice to celebrate it. But they went on to say, you know, maybe we don't need a bailout by the International Monetary Fund now. Um, it's a foolish uh, comment when you think about it because money won't be available to them anyway. And money shouldn't be put into their operating budget from oil and gas. It should be put into a sovereign fund for hopeful investments down the road. Anyway, um, we carried that message forth. It was a very tough message, uh, and hopefully uh, the staff came home feeling as though the trip was worth it in terms of that advice. Uh, thank you. Um, indeed, that was historic. I mean, if, they, if Lebanon and Israel can sit down and, and agree on borders, and this is maritime borders, you'll think that this hopefully will uh, uh, create a momentum to uh, continue. But the problem now is we don't have a president. Right? There is a new parliament members, and some of the new members, they're actually not let's say, contaminated with the old regime, and they're trying to have a voice uh, in, the, uh, in electing a new president. Um, so what, what do you think the next uh, move here? Uh, it will, are we going to have a, a vacuum in the presidency, or do you think something is... Uh, so we were there during a historic week last week with the maritime border closing, closing on that deal, but also the president um, leaving office a day before the Constitution called to leave, which was kind of remarkable. Um, look, um, 
we met with representatives of all the different factions of the parliament. There are 128 members. We met with factions and representatives, um, probably more than half the parliament, from the traditional party um, people, as well as the new uh, politicians or parliamentarians that, that won election in May. The good news is the election in May um, w uh, actually resulted in the opposition parties getting more than the Hezbollah and traditional and its traditional allies. So Hezbollah and its traditional allies on paper is in the minority now, uh, but only um, in the minority by about five seats. So it's sort of like our Congress here. Uh, we cannot afford to lose one vote in order to uh, pass a piece of legislation in the Senate, for instance, and I think it's five in the House. So it's a very tight margin. Same thing in Lebanon. The opposition has to come together uh, and form a consensus on how they're gonna move forward. And remember, they represent all kinds of different factions and uh, parties. So it's a very difficult task. We felt as though, in meeting with them in the course of the week, we had over, we had about 30 meetings last week. Uh, we really wore out the uh, staff delegation that was there. Um, but in the course of the, those meetings, we felt as though the opposition was slowly coming together, talking to one another. We helped create some space for them to have conversations in which we brought a large numbers of them together. So we're, we're, we're feeling as though they're moving in the right direction. Having said that, given the, the closeness of the, the two opposing um, factions in the parliament, we also came home with the feeling that this is gonna have to be a consensus candidate for president. Um, now, how much of a consensus do you give to Hezbollah versus the other side? That'll um, that'll tell us a lot in the coming weeks. I think it's going to be difficult um, for the opposition to um, to get the 100 percent of what they want. Um, they have enough to block Hezbollah from votes. Uh, for for their own candidate, which is good, but Hezbollah has enough votes to block the opposition's candidate. So what are they going to do down the road um, in terms of picking a consensus candidate? Hopefully one that's competent, a reformist, and who cares about the needs of the people of Lebanon. I think the opposition is clear on that. The question is how long will that take? Um, and you know, the, who, it's anybody's guess on whether or not it's next month, six months from now, or longer. Uh, thank you, Ambassador. Just to follow up on the on the president uh, presidential elections, because I have two uh, questions that kind of along the same line. Um, uh, one is. Uh, Kind of says who is who is the uh, American nominee? Uh, I don't think for uh, Lebanon in presidential elections. And, uh, <laughs> that's funny. Okay, but the other the that other has one, to be a Lebanese <laughs> who asked that question. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll nominate Ambassador. Yeah, well, I'm the, not a citizen of Lebanon. Uh, 
Okay. Uh, the other one is uh, we're seeing um, the Gulf countries are trying to normalize uh, relationship with Syria. Uh, and so would they think uh, would that, uh, if that happens, uh, is there any uh, uh, indications that uh, Syria or uh, Syrian regime might play a bigger role uh, now, in, uh, if not in electing the president, maybe uh, just in the, uh, to, uh, to hedge or uh, shape the presidency in the near future? So on um, who's our choice, um, the U.S. doesn't have a choice. Uh, it would be a disaster for the U.S. to stick its nose into that, that mess. Um, um, we, uh, w I think the United States has been clear, though, in saying that um, they hope that the um, parliament chooses a president that meets the needs of the people of Lebanon and has the competence to lead it out of this disaster. Um, to go further, I think, is, is a mistake. And I know, I mean, we heard this in so many circles. Almost every meeting we had, people said, come on, come on, tell us, who, who is it? The United States does not have a candidate, nor would it have a candidate. Um, so um, I want to be clear in that answer, and I think um, that's what we heard from the ambassador while we were there as well. In terms of the Syria issue, um, let me answer it in a kind of a, a, a different way. Um, I think that um, the United States, France, and the Gulf countries can play a big role in helping the various parliamentary parties um, as they try to deliver uh, humanitarian aid to their people. The poverty rate is now 80%. Uh, yeah, it's a mess. And um, the United States gave $700 million last year. Um, to Lebanon. France is in there, other allies. Um, unfortunately, Iran's in there uh, through Hezbollah and otherwise. Well, I really believe it's, re and they're supporting Hezbollah parliamentarians uh, in their districts with humanitarian causes. I think it's really important for the Gulf countries to look at Lebanon. They don't have to get money to the government, to a corrupt government. We don't want that to happen. The U.S. has never given money to the government. But there are universities. There's the Lebanese Armed Forces, which is the only competent institution uh, holding that country together. There's humanitarian relief, civil society, hospitals. There's so much that can be done. And there's so much influence that they can lend to the Sunni parliamentarians and to bring them along to make sure that they're meeting the needs of their people and hopefully that leads them to vote the right way as well. So I do want to say that. when We do not... Um, you know, there are Syrian-oriented parties uh, in Lebanon, but... Um, we think that the opposition is strong enough now to block that, uh, um, those uh, candidates from happening. We'll see. Um, but right now they appear to, to be able to block those. Let me say one last thing on that. Um, it's remarkable that they're going through a democratic process in a way. It's a little sloppy. Uh, it's not the, the best in the world, but it's a democratic process in which they're fighting with each other to, f to elect the right kind of president. So let's hope that the opposition um, parties uh, remain strong and they have friends from the Gulf, they have friends from the United States and Europe uh, helping them uh, to bring the needed services to their people. 
Thank you. Uh, just continuing on the um, on the aid uh, to Lebanon, uh, could you talk a little bit about where is the IMF and the World Bank uh, um, now, and what are they waiting for to actually uh, execute some of the some of the loans, grants uh, to Lebanon? So um, the United States, the American Task Force on Lebanon, which I believe has become kind of a leading voice on these uh, subject matters. Um, uh, and the IMF, the international community, France and others, even the Gulf countries, uh, speak with one voice on this, and that is no relief to the current government of Lebanon. We're not gonna throw good money after bad through an IMF bailout unless they show reforms. And then it'll only come in increments. If you do this reform, you get this much money. If you do some more reforms, you get more money. So it's a very well-constructed IMF relief package, but the government and the parliament has to f uh, pass about five bills in order to show its seriousness that it's going to make reforms on banking, on a budget, uh, on bank secrecy, um, on electricity, uh, uh, bringing electricity to the people. They're down to two hours a day, electricity. Um, it's a mess there. So the IMF and the United States, France, the Gulf countries need a partner. They can only do so much. And so now it's up to that uh, parliament and government to do its part. We, we carried that message very strongly last week. Um, but we come, come home a little uh, worried that um, the uh, Lebanese government and parliament aren't moving quick enough. And we worry that they don't understand that they will be a total failed state out of money probably in the first quarter of next year, so we continue to push this. But uh, you can't just have an IMF package unless you have a partner that's willing to do the reforms necessary. Um, uh, thank you. Um, on the uh, electricity, you said two hours a day. Obviously, with two hours per day, you can't really operate a business or uh, do anything. There's uh, a lot of issues in there. Uh, so, uh, could you, since also you just came from Lebanon, could you uh, just touch on the uh, daily life in there? That what's the hospital situation in Lebanon? Where is the, what's the university student situations uh, and? and uh, in Lebanon, and um, uh, you mentioned the banking system. Is, uh, there's a lot of money lost in there. Is there any talk about uh, people getting some of that? Just uh, quickly. Uh, I mean, there's okay, not, sure. nothing to cover there, but just uh, no social factors. Uh, I'm factor. used to your questions over the many years that we've been together, <laughs> so I'm ready for you. Um, so um, just re really quickly on the energy stuff, which is important. Um, the United States came up with a unique proposal to bring Egyptian gas vis-a-vis um, -vis through Syria, through an existing pipeline into Lebanon, which would go from two hours of electricity to about 10 hours, nine or 10 hours, which is great. They're very close to bringing closing on that deal, but it requires the Ministry of Energy to one, um, announce a tariff package that is sustainable so that they can have electricity paying for itself. That happened this week. Um, and two, that they uh, put together a, a reform package on electricity um, that they can count on through um, a, a regulatory commission that would independently regulate electricity. Um, 
they're still arguing with the World Bank on that. Once that gets done, there'll be enough funding initially to get that program off and running. Um, so uh, this deal deals with a quick short-term fix, as well as the World Bank pushing um, uh, Lebanon to get just put forth the package, put forth the reforms that you're going to do, and show us that you're going to advertise for the independent uh, regulatory commission. Once that starts, we'll start to give you a little money to get the electricity f through the uh, Egyptian deal. So that's short and long term. Uh, we met with three universities while we were there, uh, Lebanese American University, uh, um, the American University of Beirut, and the Lebanese University, the uh, private university with over 80,000 students. Um, the um, staff came home feeling very strongly that there are two institutions that they got to support and America's got to get behind. The LAF, Lebanese Armed Forces, and the two universities, the two American universities there. There may be other universities too that, that come up. Now, on the Lebanese university, which has the most students, it's sad. Um, they don't even have pens and papers. They're um, having the students right now um, do their studies virtually. Um, they've got, we're losing about 40% of the uh, 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 hospital workers and um, university workers, professors. It's really tough. They have a $36 million program into the World Bank to help save uh, a lost generation potentially at the Lebanese university, the, the public university. Um, and we'll be uh, pushing for that this week. But the look, Lebanon was known for its education, about its health care, um, its pluralism uh, in so many ways. And now um, those two things are in jeopardy. So I think we come home with a new uh, feeling about supporting the health care and the education on health care. You know, ATFL organized over a $50 million uh, flight um, after the explosion um, of medical supplies and medicines. and. But you know, that's kind of sticking your finger in the dike. Um, we got to do more than that. And we're trying now to get volunteer doctors in the United States to team up on a program that would um, bring Leban Lebanese institutions and doctors with American institution Lebanese doctors uh, to help fill a void because we think that the healthcare problem is not short term. It's going to be at least medium term. Um, the, on the deposits, it's part of baking reform. Um, so here's a proposal. They got about nine billion left. That's about it uh, left in the country. Why don't they give it to the small depositors? They're going to throw it away anyway, um, and the small depositors won't get it. Why don't we stop it right now and say, stop your subsidies, stop your um, uh, mismanagement, and think about anybody, a small depositor, which we can hit 90% of them, and then deal with the rest. However, there's a larger banking proposal out there that is debating with how you do that. A depositor's under 100,000 being made whole over time versus those higher. We're coming home with some ideas here. And again, um, as a defender of the small depositor. Oh, well, thank you. Um, 
Back to the, uh, there's a question here also, uh, we mentioned the role of uh, uh, United States in, uh, in, the, in this agreement. There's also France has a big role to play and uh, through uh, also the uh, Total, right, the, the, their gas or uh, oil company. And, and I think uh, you, you, uh, they will be uh, doing the exploration and so on. So what do you see or were there any talk about uh, some U.S. companies uh, from the onset to be actually working in there or this is uh, to come? Yeah, why not? Um, uh, now that, you know, there's not a dispute. My background's in oil and gas and electricity, so I know a little bit about this. Um, now that the, the uh, dispute and the threat of instability is gone, it will open up the market for investors to come in there um, in the oil and gas area. Total has that lease. They will farm out. They will farm in, excuse me, partners. They will bring partners in. Some of those could be American. There's no reason not to. Um, and I'm sure that many uh, U.S. Uh, and European companies are looking at uh, the properties now and new leases there, as well as partnering with Total. Total won't, will not put a hundred million dollar well in without partners, so we'll see how that goes. Speaking of France, the, uh, the U.S. And, Fran and the French have a very tight relationship on Lebanon, and I think they're making good headway with the Gulf countries. Um, and so we really have to depend on France, hopefully talking to our friends in the Gulf to say, come on in now, help the Lebanese people, forget the government for now, but help those people, and together we can uh, maybe get through this uh, disaster together. Thank you. Just uh, follow up on uh, what you said on the uh, French role with the Gulf state. Um, um, why you don't see the United States as kind of pushing the Gulf countries to do more on Lebanon? How do, uh, um, or maybe they are. I don't see it. Yeah, Tell me a little bit about that. The United States is engaged very strongly with the Gulf countries. Mm -hmm. um, um, you know, uh, Lebanon was... Um, one of the big topics of conversation when the president went to Saudi. Um, and it was one of the high, better highlights of the meeting uh, in which they came to agreement on what to do in terms of the Lebanese armed forces and support for the people. Um, the French, Macron has really um, you know, been active in visits there. And so we're coordinating with them, but you know, not, not punting in that case. We're working side by side with them, not only with Saudi, but with other countries in the region. I should mention that Qatar just came through with 60-some million dollars to help the poor LAF families who can't, the Lebanese army families can't put food on their table. What, uh, the, what did they make, uh, Abbas, uh, before this mess? It was about uh, four, four, four hundred, four, four hundred uh, Yeah, now they're making about um, $40. Um, so um, they came through with $100 a month for each family. Uh, so Qatar's doing its share as well. So all of this is positive. The U.S. has given the next trial of 67 million, so this will keep the families going, and we're also supporting the uh, the, the uh, ISG there, the internal security forces, families. Uh, 
companies, that is. Okay, thank you very much. I think uh, I see zeros in front of me, and we're the last panel here. But just uh, any any final thought or uh, any uh, uh, things you want to say about the American Task Force for Lebanon? Uh, well, you know, um, ATFL has been around for 30-some years. Um, I think we're gaining our um, strength uh, year by year. I think we're counted on to speak the truth in Lebanon by the United States, and the United States looks to us when we come home for good advice. Uh, we're licensed to have CODELs and staff DELs, and, and um, we just hope to God to bring uh, the American Lebanese community thinking to this uh, proposition on a U.S.-Lebanon uh, bilateral relationship, but especially thank Dr. Anthony for your years of service and bringing about these kind of forums. Thank you for all that you've done, and Abbas and, and your whole team for... Um, for um, for today's uh, conference. Thank you. Thank you for what you're doing. And I would I'd like to add that uh, Ambassador Gabriel is also a board member at the United States Institute of Peace. Yeah. So he's uh, not just touching Lebanon, he's trying to touch um, whatever uh, U.S. government uh, needs to be. So thank you for that as well. Thank you. Dr. Okay. Thank you both uh, for this uh, particular session that tugs at the heartstrings of, of so many uh, Americans. Uh,